accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're continuing our run through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called Rules of Engagement. It was the 18th episode of the fourth season, aired on April 8th, 1996. Teleplay goes to Ron D. Moore. Story credit goes to Bradley Thompson and David Weddle, directed by LeVar Burton. In this episode, the Klingons try to extradite Worf as he, after he accidentally destroys a transport full of Klingon civilians. We're joined, as always, by Clay. Clay, how are you? I'm good. This is why you don't sleep on the Defiant, because you're sleeping, then all of a sudden you wake up, you don't know where you are, you kind of like still groggy, and you accidentally blow up a ship full of kids. Yeah, you run out in a hazy dream state of slow motion and bloodshed and Klingons cheering in the bridge. You've just got your like Federation issue tank top on and boxers, and you know, you haven't had time to put your suit on. Yep. And then, or your you know, little Klingon chain thing that he wears, the little uh, the little sash thing. You accidentally say fire when you meant to say coffee. <laughs> A common problem. Anyway, we're going to um, we're going to be talking about rules of engagement. The first script from or the story credit goes to Bradley Thompson and David Weddle, who will go on to become fairly prolific DS9 writers and also Battlestar Galactica writers. Um, we're going to take a break. Me and Clay are going to come back right after this audio clip. It's an interesting system of justice you have, Captain. It does have its flaws, however. It emphasizes procedure over substance, form over fact. I'm sorry if you feel it puts you at a disadvantage. On the contrary, I look forward to fighting on your terms. This is not a fight. It's the search for the truth. The truth must be won. All right, Clay. So I was actually pretty interested in what you had thought about this one because this episode generally has two trains of thought about it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's either a very good Worf character piece or it is a disaster of a courtroom drama episode. Um, Depends (laughs) on how you want to – it's really what people sort of get out of it – what did you think before I say what I thought? So to clarify what we meant, people either see, people either have a lot of problems with the way that the courtroom stuff works out and the sort of logic of the courtroom scenes. And then the other thing is that, well, I can look past that and see this as a um, character episode uh, with some other sort of neat things going on. And I was wondering what you thoughts about it. Uh, I felt both of those things simultaneously. Um, I liked, I, I really liked the idea of, um, putting Worf's nature, Klingon nature on trial. Um, and I thought the character stuff was pretty good. I thought the, I thought the open, the cold open, I thought was great. Um, and I thought the final scene was great. Um, but yeah, this, the, the way it ended up playing out, like as they got into it more and more, my brain started to get a little like cut, like twisted up about what exactly we were doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because there, there's a certain, like I, I liked that the, the Admiral was a, was a, uh, um, a Vulcan because I feel like that's the only way you could possibly have hoped to win this argument. 
because it's not based on any sort of like fact or or X, Y, and Z. It's based in it's based entirely on well, he has shown that he will act like this way, so logically you can deduce that he would also act this way in this other situation. Yes. Um Worf's and, character is on trial as opposed to more about the criminality of the event, which is right, a and, contradiction of the criminal justice system, sort of. Like, it's a what, what they the, the confusion I run into is that the episode is saying that Worf is going to go through this Federation trial. And what they do is they seem to sort of mix Klingon judici- judicial stuff into it, where the Klingons would be very concerned about his sort of character and whether or not he was capable of doing this. And then. The um, the other aspect would just be the sort of Federation's, you know, sort of law and order approach to it, and they kind of slam into each other in this episode. Yeah, I, I, and I was I was running into like a, a a logic problem. Well, I don't know if it's a logic problem, but it's like uh, the the Klingon lawyer is arguing that he should be extradited to Kronos to face a Klingon jury or Klingon courtroom or prosecution because he acted too much like a Klingon. But by that metric, what he actually did was not bad. Right. Yep. So if you did bring him to Kronos and prosecute him there, they would probably say, yeah, no, that was totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's the disconnect where I, I, I feel like it's a better idea um, than it was, uh honestly, you know you know how I think this would have worked a little bit better is if um if the prosecutor had been Cardassian. Uh I mean it loses the the uh um the trying to get one up on the, the Federation sort of. Yep. Uh because you know that the the Federation is currently friendly with the Cardassians, but you could use it as um like that, that way it would make more sense though because then you could argue that you know he needs to be extradited to Cardassia because we are currently at war with the Klingons and he acted like a Klingon and he ended up getting a bunch of you know civilians killed or some shit like that yeah it's um I don't really know why you'd want to tell that story uh but that's I think it would make a little bit more sense to do it something like that it's funny I was thinking that um <clears throat> my solution would have been I didn't really well I while the Klingon lawyer is kind of a cool concept and something that's um, unique to anything we've ever seen before, I was wondering if it would have made more sense if they went the measure of the man route and it was a Federation prosecutor. In, in an effort to yeah, sort of that works too. A- appease the Klingons, they've decided that we'll have a uh, Federation person prosecute and then Worf is stuck in this sort of um, no man's land where it's the Federation is worried about whether or not his Klingon character is a downside to him being in command of the defiant in a, in an area where there's a lot of war uh, stuff going on. The, as you're saying, the problem is that it's a Klingon lawyer. And while I like the concepts there, a, it doesn't, a, I don't really know how this Klingon lawyer works in the universe of the Klingon culture. I don't, I don't understand what he's like, or if he's respected when he goes back home, because warfare has a very appropriate, Klingon response to him when he starts to try to trick him with questions. Worf is like, "Will you just shut up and fight me?" You know. Um, yeah. So I don't know how the lawyer in Kronos would actually work in a real and like in universe. But the bigger problem, I was, I was really hoping that at the end, after uh, Worf beat up the lawyer, Cisco would stand up and would say, "Your Honor, 
Clearly, this man has no fighting skill whatsoever. <laughs> Therefore, he could not possibly have been as cold-blooded as to murder a bunch of kids. <laughs> you saw those three punches. Um, yeah, it's so, so. The problem is that the the Klingon the Klingon storyline is a little bit odd. Like, I don't even really the Federation and the Klingons are not uh, friendly with each other at this point, right? right. So. What is the situation where the Klingon or the Federation would be willing to hand over an officer to an enemy? You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. They they would keep that in house. So sending him back to the Klingon Empire doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I feel that the the confusion about the courtroom scenes sort of blends into all of that, where after a little bit of time it becomes very unclear what they are both sides are arguing about and mm-hmm. whether or not it has any place in a courtroom. And I do find that a little bit distracting, although my opinion is that the character stuff and the the way that they tell this story overrides all of the logic inconsistencies I have with the story. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of ignore it on a way that I would ignore any sort of medical diagnosis on ER. I'm just along for the ride <laughs> and just saying, like, this is fine. Like, this will be good. I think that uh, Direction-wise, this is maybe one of the strongest directed episodes of Star Trek I've ever seen, and yeah, it was great. And then on a character level, it's a it's a nice little it's like the other side of uh, after Sons of Moog, where we learn that Quarf doesn't really fit in with the Klingon society. This episode kind of does the other side, and it says, well, he doesn't really fit in with humans either because he has a alien perspective that is not second nature to the way that humans are, which is the scene where Cisco chews them out at the very end, and that's all about. So it's it's really kind of a neat little fleshing out of Worf story. The only problem I'd have with that is that for it being a Worf story, he's not really present in a lot of it. I, I could right. actually see the right. argument that Cisco, this is more of a Cisco story than it is a Worf story. And originally, the original script was that Cisco was the one who gave the order to fire on the ship. Um, mm. But so what would you think about any any and all of that if you want to react to what I just blathered on about? Uh, well, I, I actually I agree. I think I think that the 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 tack they should have taken shouldn't have been um, extradition, but uh, um, dishonorable discharge or something like that. Because I think that uh, I think having a federation court martial basically, where you had I mean I think you could still have the Klingon prosecutor that kind of thing. But I I think yeah I think it should have been I think it makes more sense if you are indicting Worf's Klingon-ness in the, as it, as it relates to his status in the Federation right. than it does to, to be like, oh, we need to bring him back and, and, you know, do this ourselves. I think it's, I think it would be easier and they would have an easier time just like sniping him out from the Federation than they would like ex- extraditing him, you know? Yeah. Well, the, what that what I think they're trying to do is that they're trying to balance this sense of they have this sort of pretty awful scene actually where Cisco at the very beginning Cisco and the Klingon lawyer are walking through the halls and the the Klingon lawyer is explaining to Cisco why this is so important that the Klingons win this fight this law yeah. fight like they're like you know once once we once we prove that Worf did this the Federation will have a black guy and you guys will have to back off and we'll just start annexing Cardassian uh, territory again. Uh, that feels very unnecessary or unwise for the lawyer to explain that to Cisco. Uh, but the the problem there is that they're they're trying to they're trying to bring in that Klingon story that's sitting in the background and put it on top of this. And I don't know if it actually suits the story. It suits the season, I think, but I don't think it suits the story of the episode. 
Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, it, it is weird that they just kind of have a walk in the, in the foyer there. And he's like, would you like to know exactly why we're doing this? Cause I'd be happy to tell you. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's one breath away from saying, do you want to know why we set this whole thing up? Basically, yes, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, Although is the lawyer aware of what they've done? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't think they give you enough at the end to, for you to really make a decision on that. I mean, it's it, he, his, his answer when, uh, Cisco calls him on it is, is very much a considered, I think you could take it either way. I think mm-hmm. you could take it as a considered, yes, it's possible that this is a setup, but you could also take it as him just, you know, admitting sheepishly admitting it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she, I, I lean towards sheepishly admitting it, but I don't know yeah. why the, I don't know what the point of him. I don't know what the point of sending a Klingon lawyer who's unaware that this is all set up would be because you'd want your lawyer to be planning for that contingency. Of if they discover that this is a setup, how do we get ourselves out of it? Kind of smoke bomb, yeah, <laughs> a, ninja, a ninja blackout. Um, but I, I like this. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the direction. It's Lavar Burton who I was surprised is um, he's actually the former cast member with the most directing credits on Star Trek, which I didn't realize. That's um, surprising. I just assumed that would be Frakes, but that's interesting. Yeah, I would have assumed it would be Frakes. It's Burton. He does this, and he does a bunch of Voyager episodes as well. So he does probably two each DS9 season, maybe two each Voyager. Hmm. Um, I thought that this was – I really love the scenes of them talking to the camera and breaking the fourth wall and then yeah. t- as if they're talking to the courtroom. It's something that I don't think the show has ever done it before, and it worked really, really well. It, it elevated – um, I'll just to tie it in and then throw it over to you. It, it elevated the fact that generally Star Trek does courtroom stuff very badly. That's my take of <laughs> like the, the original series had the menagerie and it had court martial. And those were all very, very bad scenes are uh, very, very bad episodes. It had a uh, turnabout intruder, which was one where Kirk as a woman was a courtroom scene as well. Um, <laughs> and TNG never really did a great job with it. And I don't know why that is. I thought that this was, a pretty good courtroom drama, although it didn't really work on the courtroom level. It worked more on the drama level. So I don't know if you have thoughts about why courtroom stuff doesn't seem to work in Trek as well as it does on other shows, or if you just wanted to go off on the, uh, the direction and the aesthetics of the episode itself. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the breaking the fourth wall thing I was, I was not expecting and I was happy when they did it because uh, when they first cut to D- Worf and Dex, Dex, Dex the first fighting. One, yeah. yeah, Worf and Dex fighting in the hollow suite or whatever. I was like, oh, fuck. Is this just an excuse for a clip show? Because that, I, it looked very similar to when they, you know, when, when he was staring at her boobs that time. Yep. Uh, and I, so I thought, oh, this is, this is going to be like, no, Worf is a stand-up guy. I remember back when we were sitting four episodes ago. He didn't we look at my tits, in, even though I wanted yeah. him to. Uh, I remember when my announced that my wife was pregnant again and he was like, what now? See ya. (laughs) Um, you know, I thought it was going to be one of those things, you know, like the last episode of Seinfeld. Uh, so I was glad that it was actually new material and they were, um, they, yeah, they found an interesting way to do it instead of just doing a voiceover type thing, uh, which makes that stuff more engaging, you know, um, it's more artistic. yeah, yeah, it's a. I feel like shit. I feel like I just saw something recently where they did that the exact same thing. Um, I can't remember what it is, but they, it, I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a choice that I've seen 
elsewhere, and it it always works pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I I really like the um I think the O'Brien one is the best, where O'Brien is going through what actually happened when they fired on the ship, and he's sort of yeah, that one was interesting because they also did like a, a fantasy sequence. <laughs> well, he so yes, a fantasy sequence, and he he was mixing talking to the courtroom and replaying what actually happened. So he'd be like, I told uh, Commander Worf to, uh, like, that I'd done a sensor sweep. And then he cuts back to the console and he's like performing sensor sweep, whatever. It's a, it's a nice little balance of um, mixing the two scenes together in a way that the, the Dax one is more simplistic. Yeah, I think uh, ju- jumping just away from the aesthetics for a second, if you want to, I think the, the O'Brien one is probably the most problematic of the uh, courtroom uh, instances because they're basically <laughs> the guy's saying like, listen, I know you're not a captain. You're not even a commissioned officer, but let's just say for the sake of argument, you are the captain of this ship. Yeah. And you know uh, the outcome, think, which is the yeah. other, the other problem. It's like, you know that this was the wrong thing to do. Would you have done it <laughs> in the first place? It's like, I, yeah, I, guess I don't, not. I don't think that's going to hold up too well in a court of law. Most places. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I thought those things were really great. Um, I thought, yeah, it looked really good overall. Uh, they did a lot with only like two or three different sets. Um, I really liked the Quark one. I thought the Quark one was great. It's a good joke. Yeah. Um, I do wish that the Dabo girls had been dressed differently, though, because <laughs> the first couple times when they cut back to a different one, I had to rewind it and see that it was actually a different. Because like the first time, she's got her head turned away, so you can't see her face. And then it's like, no, it was actually, you know, Lita or whoever. Then they cut back and it's a, it's her face is towards the camera. Yeah. So I couldn't, but she's wearing like the same clothes. Yeah. So I thought, I, I wish they had differentiated that a little bit just to make it a little bit clearer that they were different people. But um. yeah, I thought it was the, I thought the second one and the third one were the same girl. Maybe. I don't know. I, I also had a moment of, I was like, I don't think they changed the girl again, but then they changed Morn instead of Bashir at the, at the very last one. But I agree they should have been a little bit more differently, although since they're all Dabo girls, I guess they're all wearing the same scantily clad negligee thing. Um, <laughs> well, they, one of them could be the wear, the wear the red one that they wear on Tuesdays or something. I, I, I like the fact that um, Bashir said, have you ever seen the wormhole open in two different cadences? Each like yeah. he, he, he delivered the line <laughs> differently each time, but equally as um, flirtatious and dead sexy as, as the mm. last. Yeah, I, I like the um, – the quirk one. It was, it's a good joke. It was a way to get, way to get through that. They obviously do the thing about um, Morn is a talk talkative guy, except we never hear him talk, and they get to do the joke <laughs> here where they cut him off before he says something. Um, yeah. Oh, Morn. Oh, Morn. The uh, what I sort of one of the bigger things I liked about it is the fact that it is a. I almost wish they had played it up a little bit more. The the Klingon has a great line. Uh, let me see where it is. I want to say it writes. He says, it's an interesting system of justice you have, Captain. It does have its flaws, however. It emphasizes procedure over substance and form over fact. Um, I thought that the, I maybe I'm reading too much into it. I actually thought that the what was going on here in terms of the Klingon um, uh, influence on the trial was a commentary on the actual judicial system of the U.S., which is that the the best system that we have for jury and sort of figuring out justice and guilt and innocence is actually kind of shitty at a lot of things. Um, <laughs> it doesn't, it, the best system we have in order to protect people causes a lot of sort of loopholes and leniency, I guess would be the way to look at it. Like the, the judicial system always seems to, to pride itself or uh, focus on narrative over actual evidence. 
and I think that's one of the flaws of it. But if you guys are interested, it's a book called Popular Crime by Bill James. And he goes into all of that kind of thing about how he would fix the justice system by sort of making it more of an evidence-focused thing. But it does seem that the the judicial system is largely built around who can tell the better story and who can mm. twist the evidence into a better story, who can come up with the most sort of um, – the story that seems the most plausible or pleasing is the best outcome. And I think that the Klingon is actually kind of trying to do this. He's he's laying traps and playing dirty pool with Worf just to get his point across that Worf could have done this. And if you're if you're not paying attention, if you were like a juror watching this, you'd say like, you know what, Worf could have done that, even though Worf being able to have done that doesn't really amount to anything in the criminal justice system that I'd want, <laughs> at least in my like real life experience. Would you think anything about that? Yeah, I think the interesting uh, <clears throat> the the interesting disconnect when you get to real life court stuff is that, um, and it also I feel like this comes out a lot if you watch something that's based on a true story, and then you look up afterwards like the differences and stuff. It's always a lot messier, and I think I think you're right in that people tend to to err on the side of the more the easier to swallow story like the narrative that if the if the narrative makes more sense oh clearly that must be the right one and in real life that is not i was going to say always but that's not usually the way it works unfortunately yeah yeah uh you know that there uh there are plot holes in in real life that are exist uh probably honestly more than there are in in fiction yeah, uh, that make it difficult for you to connect certain dots, and which is you know why evidence in those cases are so important. Because and not not to go on, a, I don't, we can turn this into the uh, U.S. criminal justice podcast if you want to. But <laughs> I am a JAG lawyer, and I've, yeah, I've watched but, it. But I've you watched know, it like JAG. you know, like uh, the, all of the things that are the cornerstones of of fictional courtroom drama, uh, lie detector tests. Uh, eyewitness accounts, confessions, all those kind of things are not really that reliable for the most part in in uh, real life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it it is. I, I think it's easier for people to to go with the story that makes the most sense as opposed to trying to wrap your head around exactly how and why these things happen. Yeah, I mean, it, what should be in the episode a pretty cut and dry case of the Federation investigating whether or not Worf. Uh, acted improperly, which the Federation yeah. outcome seems to have been he, Cisco's take, which I would sum up as the Federation's take at the end, is that you acted, you you made a big mistake. You need to learn from it, um, but it's not something that's it's an understandable mistake, but it was still right. a mistake. And the Klingon aspect of it is a very confusing sort of insertion of to like you made this mistake. Now you should come back, and we need to punish you, as we talked about earlier at the top of it. But it's the the cut and dryness of it the sort of cold hard analysis of what Worf did when it's clear that he never did anything wrong. And also the Worf or the um, Klingon lawyer is like, we know, we know he didn't really do anything wrong. We're just kind of trying to prove that he could do it again or something like that. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's an interesting story. Like the whole situation is, is interesting. Cause it's like, why, if, if you look at it just by what they present you in this episode, I, I, I would argue that he didn't really make the wrong decision. I mean, what, with the way that they break it down at the end, yeah, I mean, you know, the, uh, by that metric, if the Federation is being that much more uh, considerate about stuff, even in wartime, then yeah, he'd made the wrong decision. But I mean, he 
assessed the situation with these attacking birds of prey. He figured out the pattern and he, you know, he, he took the, he took the shot and he was wrong. But, uh, the, other questions I had were like, why was there civilian transport and just cloaking its way through the middle right. of a fucking battlefield? <laughs> that's, that's the big, that's the big problem. Right? I think, I think the script is actually unfair to the conflict because why I feel like a slight adjustment, like if that thing had decloaked behind them, you know, and it was, yeah, and it was yeah. just like, they're like, Oh, we're being surrounded and he fired, but a, a civilian, fr- the, I know it, it didn't actually happen. Whatever they did. I don't even know if there were people on that, freighter. Uh, it seems to be not the case that there was no one on there. It was all just a setup and they did it just to have him shoot it down. But why, I honestly feel like in a real world situation, that would be taken more of as like, that was pilot error on the freighter's part. Like why, right. why was the freighter going over there and getting right up into uh, the grill of the Defiant as it's shooting at other things? It seems like they and also, made a big mistake. And also, why did he decloak? Right. Yeah. You know, like uh, he decloaked. He drove right up in front of the guns and took his cloak off. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think, uh, honestly, if I was Cisco, uh, in a, you know, despite the uh, the Federation's standpoint of, uh, you know, you made the wrong decision, you should have waited, et cetera, et cetera. If I was Cisco, I would have, my counterpoint to that in the trial would have been, well, okay, let's say you're right. And for a second that, uh the Klingon nature is bloodlust and battle and all this kind of stuff. Couldn't we then assume that the driver of the, the Klingon driver of this transport felt the same? Or maybe he does say something like this. Maybe he does. I can't remember. Uh, but couldn't we assume that he was doing the same thing and then decided to in, engage the defiant in this fight? Mm-hmm. You know, that why, why is, why is Worf the only Klingon in this situation who has to be taken to account for this, you know, supposed, uh, understanding of of klingon nature yeah 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 do um do you think that so the the ending i like the ending scene uh it's a very it's a very i would have sorry i would have written this whole narrative about like and that's why and that's the point when the the driver of the the transport ship decided to take the controls and enter the fray and attack the defiant head on. And then if the guy objected, I'd be like, well, everything I said is based in just as much fact as everything that you're saying. So technically I'm not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. You can, um, you can put the, the freighter captain on the, the, the witness chair or put him on the stand and say uh, he either acted like a Klingon or he didn't act like a Klingon. In my opinion, he acted like a Klingon. So he died honorably, honorably, I suppose. Right. Um, the ending scene, do you think that, We've gotten a lot of Worf this season, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you got him. You may as well use him. Yeah. Are, is it is it too much Worf, or do you think that what this episode did showed any showed something new about him? Um, I don't know if I would say it's too much because I feel like they're using him fairly smartly, and I think what they're doing with him is more than they still more than they've ever done on TNG where they're actually taking the time to like really dig into his character in ways that they really only did with data on TNG. Yeah. Like he's the only person who really got like a deep dive on his whole thing. Um, and having this new toy to play with, you know, it seems like they're having fun figuring out how he can fit in and how he doesn't fit in and how, uh, his, uh, 
his culture and ideals clash with everything that's going on with the Federation. And it's, you know, I can, I understand why they're, why they're so interested in playing with him, but I don't think he's been too uh, intrusive. I think they've been doing it pretty well. Yeah. I kind of have, I kind of think of both ways. I think he's, he's been there a lot, but I also think that we're learning new stuff about him each time. Um, his whole his whole shift to command has been a nice turn here, where he's no longer just the guy in a security outfit who's uh, following all the rules and just doing whatever he's told to do. He's he's in a position of command now, and he has to actually think about the repercussions that his actions could have. Um, and that's sort of what that's what Cisco is chastising him about at the very end. But I think that the it, it shows you that it continues the thing of Worf isn't even aware of himself because he didn't realize that the feeling he had and maybe the subconscious desire to go on this mission was to get some kind of revenge against the Klingon Empire for what they mm-hmm. did to him. And him realizing that is like his his Klingon nature. It's a realization that despite the fact that he's always wanted his Klingon nature to be true when he tells the lawyer here his heart is Klingon, even though he was raised by the Federation, um, he now knows that if he can't go back to the F- Klingon Empire having that Klingon heart is actually a downside for the Federation, which is a neat little twist on the, the characterization to that point. Like if he's a man who can't belong back home, but he, his, uh, his heart is of his home, then his new homeland is, is a very, um, very much a possible victim of his, of the, of his uh, original hearts. It's, it's a nice little twist that he, he's a man who can't really belong anywhere at this point. And it's more to the tragedy of Worf. Yeah, man. That's why he's so into the sisters of mercy and the cure and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sitting alone on the defiant all day. <laughs> um, I think that's it. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about with this one? I, we talked about the structure. I really liked it. Talked about the uh, the take on the justice system, which is something that I think I haven't really read that much about for this episode, but it's something that I thought was really interesting. Uh, just that sort of cynical take of Amer- of justice. It's not American, but justice in general. Um, and then let me see here. Do, 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 do. No, that's pretty much it. Did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? Um. Not really. Um, I think we pretty much hit everything. Yeah, I uh, I love that end scene. Um, I I really liked the way that it was set up um, as Cisco being like, hey, man, come on. Well, there's a party that's everybody's having for you. And then Worf's like, I don't really know if I should be at a party. I, I, I think I made the wrong decision. And then like on a dime, he's like, yeah, you did. Now what's the second mistake you made? Yeah. Like it just very quickly turned into a teaching moment, which I really liked. Yeah. He goes from easygoing to superior officer back to easygoing back to like, um, fatherly figure there. It's, it's a lot of quick turns and they all feel very believable for Cisco. And, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. It, it highlights a difference. Picard would never have swung back to the fatherly figure, I don't think. Like, he he ends those kinds of conversations as the disciplinarian and mm-hmm. leaves it at that. And Cisco opens with the disciplinarian, and then he moves into a, you know, I kind of relate to what you're going through. Um, command isn't easy. You got to suck it up. You're going to get some bumps and bruises along the way, but let's see what you got. Well, what I really liked about it was that it was the kind of situation where um, you know, technically, Worf didn't really make the wrong decision, like in the in the larger scheme of things. Uh, so it, he wasn't gonna, Cisco wasn't gonna chew him out for it. But the fact that Worf 
displayed the wherewithal to self-analyze and realize that he did something, Cisco was like super into that. Yeah. Because, right, yeah. because he sees him as, as he says in that scene, he has the potential to be a great captain. So when Worf was, was actualizing the, uh, the actions of, of, of a captain, he took it as an opportunity to be, to help him like, you know, help him along a little bit. Like, so he didn't have to chew him out where, you know, he very, they very easily could have had that scene be like, after it was done, after the trial was done, uh, they're back in in Cisco's office, and it's at that point that he chews him out for his decisions. They didn't do it that way, which I really liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Um, we're going to take a break. going to play an audio clip. Me and Claire are going to come back, read some patron thoughts, give our final thoughts, and then we'll call it a day. Captain, I thought you should know. O'Brien and Bashir are throwing a party for you at Quark's. Looks like quite a bash. I'm aware of it, but I have much on my mind. Chapak was right. I did have something to prove when I took command of the convoy. And I did not realize it until I stood there, looking down at him, blood trickling from his mouth. In that moment, I remember thinking, finally, he had given me what I really wanted, a reason to attack him. And I had that same feeling when the Klingon ships first attacked, finally chance for vengeance. I should not have accepted the mission. I'm glad you realized that. All right, everybody. So if you support the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file, you get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We'll read them on the show, starting with Holly McLaughlin. Rules of engagement. I always wondered how in the world the Klingons ended up with doctors or scientists when their whole ethos is warrior, warrior, warrior. This one gave us our answer. Klingons get attorneys from eloquent members of their society who conceive of the courtroom as a battlefield. They probably get doctors the same way, bravely doing battle against the enemy of disease. Jorn's acting is exceptional <laughs> really in this one, and the courtroom testimony is all fantastic, especially O'Brien. I also love the idea of a Vulcan judge who doesn't let lawyers play stupid games. So very strong four in my book. Christopher, uh, even though saw- even though she kind of did let him play stupid, because when he's pushing him at the end before Worf punches him, yep. he's like that. That's not that's that's television courtroom shit. That's not like if 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 in real realistically that Vulcan would have been like, dude, stick to the fucking facts, guy. I kind of agree. I, I think the fact it's a Vulcan is more aesthetic than anything. Like the, the Vulcan judge doesn't really – that judge is more of a pushover than Lance Ito was during the O.J. Simpson <laughs> <laughs> They're just allowed to do whatever they want uh, in that courtroom, and she doesn't really have anything to – she tells them to stick to the logical facts, but then kind of allows the Klingon to go off on a tangent about uh, what possibly could have been happening with circumstantial evidence. Right. Uh, Christopher Sai, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce this name. Uh, Rules of Engagement, this is one of my favorite episodes, the first I bothered to leave a thought for anyway. Top 10, but not top five. LeVar Burton is starting to show his talents and flair here with the flashbacks being shot really creatively, and I can tell the actors enjoyed his direction in this one. The lawyer is great too. Dorn is at peak wharf right now, five out of five. Hmm, wow. Zam Nuclear Wessel says, Rules of Engagement, I like a lot of things about this set, but I'm always a little uncomfortable because it reminds me of the Iranian airline or a U.S. ship shot down during the Iran-Iraq war, and this seems like a fantasy wherein they were right to do it. There's definitely right-wing conspiracy theories at the time about the plane being full of already dead people, much as we later got from the other side of 9-11. Yeah, I mean, I think originally this it was written about that Iranian uh, thing where a plane flies into a war zone and gets shot down, and that was the original concept here. 
Stephen Cobb says, rules of engagement, the testimony of Dax, Cisco, et cetera, talking to the camera was a very interesting way to tell the story, very artistic and visually interesting. As has been discussed in the past, I think this was a very DS9 ending and that Cisco reprimands Worf for letting him know that even though he was exonerated for murder, he still fucked up. I don't feel the TNG would have gone that way. Do, do, do. Next is further down. Where is it? Kyle Barrett, rules of engagement. From its beginning, it's clear that even DS9 isn't dark enough to have Worf kill 441 civilians, and therefore foul play must somehow play a part. That takes off some of the drama out of the proceedings, but once you get past that, it's a great episode. It kind of reminds me of a matter of perspective from TNG, but without the use of the holodeck, going for a fun POV scenes instead. I've seen it done before, but not in Trek. It makes a good court. It makes a courtroom episode that could have felt stagnant a bit more dynamic, and I personally like a good courtroom episode anyway, so I enjoy this one. Ron Canada is awesome, and I'm sure Wes remembers him from one of his favorite TNG episodes, The Masterpiece Society. He was the best part of The Masterpiece Society, Cal. Also, did you notice how weird the chair the witnesses had to sit in was? It was very apostrophetic. Uh, the chair, it's very, <laughs> it's a very comfy chair. Matthew Ross. It was like the it was like the chairs that they use at the Jordan's Furniture IMAX theater. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> With the butt kickers. <laughs> Rules of engagement. Wow, to call this court Regional job, humor. To call this a courtroom drama is laughable. I, you get, you're not going to get a better deal than Bob's. Uh, to call this a courtroom drama is laughable. <laughs> it's hard to do in a courtroom drama when you don't seem to know what the hell you're talking about and derive your info from Ally McBeal. To me, the closest courtroom drama I've ever seen is the movie My Cousin Vinny. The fact that the advocate concedes everything means the case is over. The rest of this is plain BS. Cross-examining your adversary's counsel is even more problematic in real life. Hey, you know, two days ago you watched something violent? That means you're violent. That's idiotic. There's no real cross. Ah. And why the hell was a Klingon ship riding along with the Cardassians, and why does a transport have a cloak? Seems suspicious. The joke of more not taking, not talking carries through as usual. The different perspectives were nicely done, placing the testimony on the sets and then the courtroom. Well acted, even though a bit of a ridiculous story. I do like the exposing of the dead survivors. That made the frustration a little less, too. So when the Klingon lawyers meet at the bar over blood wine and discuss the contracts they slayed, pa, I cross-examined him until he bled like the patak he was. Nick Sergi, Rules of Engagement. I really should have liked this episode more. There was a lot to like, including breaking the fourth wall by having witnesses talk directly to the camera. I happen to like the Klingon using passion against Worf, even conceding his case and seeing how Worf responds. Anyway, the reason I don't like it is the deus ex machina ending. That being said, Ron Canada put up a good performance as the prosecutor. And the last one, Paul Evans. Nice to see a courtroom drama in a more dynamic style than talking heads in a room. The reveal at the end wasn't one that you could see coming, and that is not a good thing. The reveal at the end wasn't one that you could see coming, and that is not a good thing in a mystery story. The viewers should be able to piece clues together as the story progresses and have the opportunity to reach the same conclusion as the characters, or to be able to say, I thought it was X, but I can see how it was Y. This story presents the new evidence at the end to the audience at the same time as it presents it to the court, and that diminishes the effect. We knew See, right that's funny, because about halfway through, I thought, I don't think any of this actually happened. Like, I, I, I figured that's how it was going to end, but it wasn't, that was based entirely on, like, TV logic and nothing yeah. to do with the writing. Yep. Yep. I mean, but even... Which is, which is really interesting when you when you can break stuff down like that. Like, I was watching uh, Broadchurch, um, which I think the first season of Broadchurch is one of the best first seasons of TV I've ever seen. And it's a murder mystery. And then at a certain point, I figured out who the killer was based solely on the fact that he was the only other actor who had lines yeah. that they hadn't focused on. Yep. Yes, you're always... Um those kind of mystery things, you're always kind of stuck in that position. Like it, if it's someone that you see all the time, it feels cheap. And then if it's someone you've never seen before, it feels cheap. So you have to go with someone you don't really see all that much, but then you know who they are. You know their face when they uh, turn out to be the killer or whatever at the end. Right. 
Uh, we knew right off the bat that Worf probably did not destroy the civilian vessel. DS9 was a darker series, but it still had lines that couldn't be crossed. It felt both the drawn-out experience finding out what happened, whilst at the same time feeling quite rushed to get to the finish line. It was strange that the argument in court caused the judge to threaten both parties with contempt, but Worf striking the prosecution did not get him an assault charge or even contempt. That would have been an unreasonable action to take, but would have prevented the continuation of the plot in the intended direction. Sisko got another chance to yell at people under his command, further continuing the season 4 streak, and Worf did deserve the dressing down he got. With the whole exchange between Worf and Sisko, you can see Ben being a very good mentor to a lot of the crew, giving them a bollocking when they need it, and then giving them feedback on how to improve. He hasn't mastered the sandwich technique, but he's better at disciplining his crew than some other captains we've seen. Not sure what the sandwich technique is, but it sounds tasty. I think, I think he means, like, uh, start with a positive, then give him the negative, and then end with a positive. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but there was something I wanted to respond to here. See, I, I feel... You were saying that halfway through you thought this couldn't have possibly happened. I felt that they could have, Worf could have killed the civilians in this show. Like he, yeah. it, it's enough of not his fault where I don't think it's beyond the scope of this show and its tone where Worf could have accidentally killed 440 people and it ends up not being that big of a deal because of the setup for it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm surprised right. how many people think that Trek couldn't have had him kill real people. Yeah, I I don't I don't think I th- yeah, I think having a member of your main cast accidentally murder a bunch of civilians might be a, a bridge too far. Uh I also kind of felt like it was coming that was coming cuz uh there there had not been like a third act turn at all. Mm-hmm. And so I knew something was coming and I was like the only thing that really makes sense here as far as how this show usually works, not not Star Trek in general, not DS9, is that, uh, you know, um, this seems like it's probably going to be more of a status quo maintaining episode. So, you know, I don't think they're going to end it with him actually having killed all these people. Yeah, yeah. And the repercussions of that, of those actions, you know? Yeah. You see, I would, I, uh, I, I still think it would have been, if it was a, if the setup was Worf, took the Defiance out and he just found a Klingon ship full of civilians and he shot it for no reason. I'd be like, all right, that's a Star Trek story that can't possibly happen. But I don't, I, I still feel to me, this is enough of a, even from the outset, you get a sense of this is not really his fault. I mean, he made a mistake, but it's not really that big. Like it's not, they're, they're basically at war, you know, they're, they're, they're under right. attack and everything like right. that. It, it, it doesn't feel that outrageous that that would be the outcome and uh, that accidents do happen like that. I think they would have done it if it was like Barclay or someone a little bit more expendable. Than yeah. Worf. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's true. He's, he's fairly important to the series at this point. Anyway, I think that's it. The patrons, thank you very much for supporting the show. Thank you for leaving your comments. Um, so, Clay, I'm interested in what you thought here because this is – before I say what I thought, this was an episode that um, I really enjoyed it until I started to think about it. So yeah. it's tough for me to rate it. Uh, but how about you go first? Let me know what you thought. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, when it started off, when they first presented the concept and everything, I was leaning towards four. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's tough because like, I think there's a lot of great stuff in it. Um, I'm going to say low four, I think. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd agree too. We're we're pretty much on the same page with the ratings here. I think this is this is better than average, but it yeah. has some it has some really weird it has some really strong material that has some really weird like um, aspects to some of it. Like it, it's just a for everything that good that it does, it takes two steps forwards and then one step back. So it is making progress right, in the right, right direction. It just it's like I wish they could have been a little bit smarter than that. I wish they could have pulled that together. But for a courtroom drama on Star Trek, I think it works pretty well. Uh, I think I love the way it's directed. I love the script for the most part. I like the whole take on the justice system. Um, I like the beginning and the end. It's one of the greatest cold opens. I think it's a really great cold yeah. open, really yeah. artistic. And I don't know, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think uh, you talk about the sandwich technique. I think this has sandwich technique in spades. Where yeah, it's like, yeah. You know, good stuff at the beginning, good stuff at the end. Some pretty good stuff in the middle, but like the turkey's kind of dry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Where um, it's, I think it it gets a lot of pluses for me in the concept department and the fact that they're trying some different stuff and like doing that fourth wall breaking stuff. And so there's like really good ideas in here. But I don't think it's totally. Uh, I don't think it's fully cooked. You know, at this point in the series, do you do you have any sort of take on the experimental nature of DS Nine? Do like do you do you think about that when you're watching it? This was an episode that really made me think about how um, DS Nine was trying to do different things than. Uh, the Star Trek that had come previously, and yeah, I, I yeah. think this. I think at this point in the series' lifespan, it's a very different show from TOS and TNG that came before it, and the way that it handles similar ideas. Uh, this is a very different outcome for a DS9 show than it would have been for a TOS or a TNG type show. And I didn't know if you had any thoughts about sort of the um, the experimental nature of the show and why it's, it's, it's considered the black sheep for a reason. And the writing staff really took the sort of very low ratings that the show was getting. Um, and were allowed to sort of push boundaries with it in a way here. The, the main thing here is just doing things that direction wise, none of the other shows had done before. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's great. Um, because, it it always gives me hope that it's going to be uh, a little bit more interesting than no, that. That sounds negative, but uh, I, I think I know what you mean. It's not when you 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 can start a TNG episode that starts mediocre, and you can expect what's going to happen yes, for the rest yeah. of it. <laughs> you know, yeah, and this kinda, is a little bit different. Like TOS and TNG are are so formulaic, and I don't mean that in necessarily a bad way, but it's like there's a, there's a method to the madness on those shows. Um, so you kind of know the structure you're going to get. You kind of know that, well, everything's going to kind of return back to normal at the end, et cetera, et cetera. With DS9, they kind of said, all right, we tried the formula. It didn't work. Let's break the formula and see if we can do some interesting new stuff, play around with some ideas. You know, all the stuff that I, that I find interesting, they seem to be doing here. So I, that's why I've been, uh, I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. They've, um, and you're right. They were they were bad at the formula stuff for the first couple of seasons, and it was a smart move to to move away from it. But the, there's so much breathing space once they move away from that formula. Um, oh yeah. You know, it's just uh, I think the franchise is built to handle that kind of stuff, and the show is really showing that it's capable of doing different things. And this like the the wharf arc, we've spent more time with wharf than I think we did on the entire run of TNG. Um, in just a couple, you know, half of a season or wherever we are now, it's it's been an interesting little interesting little experience. Yeah, Any, definitely. Anyway, let's see here. I think that's that. So thank you, patrons. 
We're both going to give it a four. Kind of a weak four, not, not one of the better ones. I think it's time to go because the work outside my house has started again and my dog is shaking in his collar and tapping his feet all over the place. (laughs) Guys, thank you very much for listening. Uh, If you want to follow the show, you can go on all the social media. There'll be in the links, uh, video description, the podcast blurb, patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to go there. I'm going to start putting out some more uh, patron stuff so you can look forward to that in November. I don't know if people are interested, but I'll put up a video of how I actually edit the podcast. I'll do that for this episode. So this will be the... uh, This will be the case test that you can see. I'll put that up as a patron video. I don't know if people are interested, but it'll be up there. And then uh, let's see, Discord, blah, 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 Patreon, blah, blah, blah. Rate the show on iTunes. Great big help. Clay, anything you want to say? No. uh, Ooh, today's Wednesday, right? Today's Halloween. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Poser 3 comes out today. Um, So if you happen to be in the area of a comic book store and you feel like picking that up, I'd be much obliged. And... uh, Listen to the Badass Podcast with me and Sean talk about Batman the Animated Series. I just got my Batman Blu-rays in, so I'm all ready to uh, do this po- do, do season two and beyond of the podcast, even if it's just me talking into my own <laughs> wall. <laughs> There's 109 episodes of that? Sure. Yeah, it's like it's – what's interesting is they uh, – um, I was I was flipping through it, the discs, and it's broken down by the um, – the original season structure, not by like the Amazon listing and stuff. So mm-hmm. it, there's five discs worth of season one. And then like seasons two and three are like two and three discs. Yeah. Cause <clears throat> season one is like 50 episodes or something. It's isn't it? 60, 60 or 62, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They really front loaded that, that order. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we, uh, we've, we talked about that a little bit on the show where that seems kind of unheard of that they were like, let's just do three years worth of this sight unseen. Yeah. I mean, I wonder what the standard order – I would have thought that the standard order for animated show back then probably would have been slightly more than a network show. So I would have thought 30 would have been yeah. a good mm-hmm. amount. Like tw- They were doing 24-hour-long dramas in a season. I, f- I feel like they could have done 30 half hours or something like that, maybe even more, but who knows. Um, yeah, check out Badass. Uh, it'll be up there. The link will be in the description, blah, 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 all that stuff. You guys know how to find it. Navigate the internet. Everyone knows how to do that. Clay, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I think that's pretty much it. We're done with the rules of engagement. The next episode is going to be hard time. We're going to have a patron on for that one. Hard time. Hard baby. time. We have a patron on because he booked his Talk appearance before times. before I changed the uh, the patron thing. So it's one of the few remaining patron uh, guested episodes that we have. And Matt's. I'm going to try on. not to do that entire episode as, as uh, Dusty Rhodes, but I make no promises. No, it, I, I'll do a lot of EQ on the back end to sort of fix these things. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>